Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. This show is dedicated and a shout out to all my couch potatoes and would-be members of the cast of I Would If I Could. This is Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom and host of the daily podcast, Wisdom Smack. And I am cordially inviting you to join me for today's session where we get real practical and we get to the nitty gritty of dealing with how to get yourself to do stuff Mm -hmm. it's needful got to keep on moving on so join me on the flip as we break it down i will see you soon hey there thank you so much for joining me today let's go on and get into it we're going to be talking about we're getting real practical y'all because people are saying michelle how do you do this and that and thank you for that person who asked me so we're going to be talking about today how to get yourself to do stuff now my heart went out to this person because they were being honest and open and i took my time i'll 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 be honest i didn't get to it right away because i wanted to let it marinate and let wisdom you know have some time to let it percolate on the back burner of my heart, my mind, and my understanding. And wouldn't you know that after this person asked me to um, tackle this, how to, you know, they were saying how to be motivated. But I was in uh, one of the, you know, they call Facebook the old people's thing. And I'm laughing because I hardly am in there. But I just happened to be in one of the uh, groups uh, and saw someone crying out. And people were actually putting the laughing emoji in, you know, just because he was, you know, colorful with the way he was explaining his plight, I could still see the seriousness. And he was reaching out and asking people, how do you get yourself, you know, and he said motivated as well to get up and, you know, stop just living off of pizza and beer and how to actually do the stuff that you know in your mind that you want to do and that you need to be doing. And he was like, if anybody is successfully doing this, and he he qualified it by saying, if anybody who has been in my state and then be a, been able to get themselves out of it, please let me know. And I didn't, you know, uh, type out anything in that particular group because, well, you have to know your audience and you have to know where you are. But I, I did, you know, just send some stuff and maybe he'll hear this podcast today and maybe not. but. Baby girl and man out there, this is my way of putting out something that will hopefully help you and help all of us. All right. So how to get yourself to do stuff, especially when you just have not been able to get it done. Let's get to it. So the first thing I want to talk about is we need to go to the root. So this is like one of those radical things. So y'all remember the other day when I was reminding you about the difference between surface and radical? 
And a lot of people try to approach this problem of getting stuff done by being surface level. They talk about motivation. They talk about uh, getting a plan and, and all of that. And we're going to talk about some of those things today. You know, don't don't get it twisted, but we need to go radical. We need to go down to the bone, down to the marrow uh, and uh, look at some of the things. And so we're going to be handling this with kind of like a, a why kind of thing. And so the first thing I'm going to say is usually not all the time because not everybody is the same, but usually when you have a disconnect between what it is, you know, you do need to do and the stuff that you want to do and you can't bring yourself to do it. Nine times out of 10, it's going to be something that is in our central processing system, uh, central nervous system, whatever you want to call it. uh, But it's going to be something that is uh, biological. Yes, biological. And when I say biological, I am talking about flesh and blood and that kind of stuff. So we want to look at and... This is going to be a little bit of a diagnostic, so just bear with me. We want to look at what are some of the signs that our body might be giving us to let us know that something isn't right. So, for instance, one of the things that the gentleman who wrote in a a group asked for, uh, he actually gave some of the signs and symptoms of what was going on biologically. He said that whenever he wants to do something, instead, he craves and orders and eats pizza and beer. And that is a ding, 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 ding kind of uh, situation. Now, let me just go and get my disclaimer. I do not practice medicine. I am not a medical professional. And this is not medical advice. So let's get that straight. My observations and my humble opinion for your entertainment purposes only is that when someone equates and is to the point where they know that this is something, a trigger, that they equate a certain type of comfort for the body in regards to a certain action that they need to take, it is going to a lot of times point to certain types of shock. Now, yes, there are different types of body shock that we go into. For a lot of people, um, excuse me, they mistake extreme boredom, which is apathy and and, and a lot of other disconnects for um, depression when it could be uh, boredom, uh, indolence, um, you know, not feeling impassioned enough to do something. But for this particular guy, and and the reason why I'm bringing him up is because I suspect that this is where a lot of people are. There is a way that the body will try to get us to self-soothe when we are in shock. So a little while ago on this podcast, uh, I talked about some of the types of shock, the major ones that we see, which are going to be sympathetic and parasympathetic. Now, I'm not going to go through them down to the granular level that I did in that podcast. I'm just going to cover them really quickly. Sympathetic is going to be all up in the head. Parasympathetic is going to be all up in the gut. And we usually refer to these as the two different brains of the body. So much so that there is a vagus nerve that runs from the brain to the gut and back from the gut to the brain where they they conversate. That is why a lot of people are just realizing in the last 10 years of the power 
of the vagus nerve and the gut health of a person that will affect you. There are a lot of people who are like, I can't lose weight. I can't get out of the bed. I I hurt all over. And they're thinking that it's one thing when it's their gut health. Their gut health is totally off. And the gut is trying to uh, send you signals. And a lot of times it's because, you not because, it will send you signals that you want comfort foods because your body is in shock. So, Let's talk about this pizza beer situation. And like I said, this is for um, entertainment purposes. <laughs> this is for your affirmation, uh, advocation, advocation. Uh, yes. Um, and so when I saw that, I was like, oh, mayhap, mayhaps. <laughs> yeah, I went old school. He is suffering from parasympathetic shock or possibly cycling between the two because that happens a lot as well. So when you have the parasympathetic shock, it is the uh, fright. It is the frozen, the deer in the headlights where you are overwhelmed to the point where you can't do anything. And so because you are frozen, if you will, in, in a point of inactivity, you tend to desire comfort foods, foods that will trick the body into action. So think about carb Uh, excuse me, carb addictions for a lot of people who uh, are very sedentary. That carb addiction is both comforting, but it is the fastest way the body can get you to give it a shot of adrenaline or energy to get you moving. Uh, That's why people who do long distance running and a lot of physical exertion will carb, carb load before they know they're going to do a lot of it because it is a quick way um, to deliver energy to the body. And so the body will make you crave that. Sugar. Mm. If it's sugar addictions and the beer, that's why I thought he might be he might be cycling because that beer has a lot of yeast in it and the yeast in the body will turn into sugars and our brain, glucose is what our brain really wants to be able to process and to do things. And when you're in sympathetic shock, which is in the mind, that's when your brain is in shock to the point where it is looping and it is it's stuck. It can't, it's doing a lot of movement, getting nowhere. Think of sympathetic shock as being trapped on a runaway treadmill of the mind where you're thinking a lot, but you're not getting anything done because it's just looping, 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 never getting to a resolution. And a tip off was when he said, I have all of these things that I know I want to do and the things that I know I have to do, and yet I cannot make myself do them. And so looking at those, I was like, hmm, possibly dealing with some shock. And he's probably uh, going back and forth, cycling between sympathetic shock where the mind is racing, but then the shock of the parasympathetic is making him shut down where he's craving foods. And we all know if you have ever taken down a pizza on your own, you watch out and you'll feel good for a minute. But then the crash comes where you're like, oh, I'm full. <laughs> and you're, you're satiated to the point where you just want to take a nap. So it's vicious. And you might be saying, okay, Michelle, get to the point. Well, well, why? Okay, so the why of this is usually because there is something that is going on between um, the neurotransmissions within the body of the signals getting mixed. 
And like I said, this is me just observing, just observing, you know, Google this stuff and, you know, and go down the rabbit trail for yourself. Um, And what ends up happening is, is it gets to be to a point where it's a clog in the system or a cog in the system where there is probably too many inputs that have backed up and have not been resolved, whether they be traumas meaning something happened to a person and the trauma was never addressed and it could be recent trauma or it could be trauma all the way from the womb where it has grown and grown to the point where it has just stopped your ability to do much of anything. But because you're so far removed from the memory of it, only the physical effects of it are left. In my neck of the woods, we call that uh, sim- um, uh, uh, it's not sympathetic, but it's uh, psychomatic. Um, yeah, psychomatic uh, illnesses that present in the body for uh, traumas that have been enacted on us that we have unresolved issue with. And this goes, like I said, it goes a little deep, but Say, for instance, you can't get to a professional to help you root out uh, these causes of why your inputs of what you can handle get less and less and less. Because that's what usually happens when you have someone cycling through these different traumas of um sympathetic and parasympathetic shock and they're caught in this loop in their mind and they're caught in this frozenness of their body they 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 go from running around and not getting anything done or not being able to sleep because that's a big one for sympathetic shock your mind race and can't sleep and you're tired but then you get up you try to do something all you want to do you just crave food 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 can't stay away from the refrigerator and you eat it and then you feel bad because now you just don't want to do anything but you try to make yourself do something and it won't work and if somebody asks you the least little amount of something you're about to you oh you're walking through hell on a cobweb that's about to break because you're at your limit and you know that you're you used to be able to handle more yeah that's what we're describing so those are the indicators that usually there's some type of unresolved trauma or impacted memory or impacted um emotional blockages that have reverted into physical ailments. And yes, now this part, I will tell you, that is true. You can, like I say, go to Google Scholar and um, put in um, the, you know, the phrases of parasympathetic, sympathetic shock, put in uh, emotional blockages, put in uh, psychosomatic illnesses and all of those things, and you will see it for yourself, okay? So I am not claiming to know this stuff. I'm just saying that you might want to check it out if you want to check it out. So you're like, okay, I got you. Good. Now let's move into some of this, 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 how to get past this, how to get yourself to do stuff. Now that you've realized that you might have some of this, maybe sort of, kind of, there is another thing we need to look at. So we've looked at the why. Let's look at some of the what. So if you have this or a myriad of other things that I don't have time to cover, but they kind of equate to the same um, uh, exhibitions of what's going on in your body where you just can't make yourself do anything, usually there is some type of confusion and pain. And when we talk about confusion, that confusion could be in your mental ability to process or it could be in your body's ability to process. But 
they are one and the same within you. And there's, like I said, a disconnect between how you're normally wired to run and how you are currently in, um, in trauma. Yes, in trauma that is putting you in shock. And so have you ever looked at um, a piece of machinery that is about to overheat and it has a, a fail safe where if it gets to a certain point that it's going to, to break, uh, the, the makers have made it where if it hits to a certain level, it'll shut down before it allows itself to break. That's what's happening a lot of times in these situations. Your body's fail safe is kicking on, whether it is to put you in these types of shock or for some people they faint or they, you know, uh, lose their train of thought. They daydream away the the pain when it shows up, but it can manifest itself in a lot of ways. And the end result is, is you don't get the stuff done that you know you need to and you want to. So with confusion, uh, disconnects between all of the processes and the systems of the body. Now the pain comes in because when we are uh, faced with our wiring of the fact that we are made to move, we are made to complete and achieve. And when we can't, even though we have an impetus in our understanding to do it, and we have a desire in our body to make it happen, and you continue having failure of not completing day after day, it results in pain. And if that pain is unresolved or ignored, that pain, you guessed it, will move into the body So that you will then hopefully realize what is going on and deal with it. Okay. So because of that, we have gotten to the point where we understand that when you can't get a lot of stuff, when you can't get stuff done, you know, you can't get yourself motivated. You can't get yourself to move. You can't get yourself to stop just eating all the time. There are usually going to be some problems in your thinking, problems in your mental processes, problems in your mental models, as well as problems in your parasympathetic, which is your gut, your trunk, your, you know, the trunk of your body and your sympathetic systems, which is, you know, the brain, the the mind and There are two ways to start working with this, and that is pain avoidance and critical thinking. Now, pain avoidance is not going to be like you think it is. Pain avoidance, the easiest way when you find that you can't get something done is to start with movement. Now, um, I don't want this to be too boring, but I do want to just say this. Um, When I was uh, uh, doing... um, analysis and um, therapies and the like, we were learning at the time that there were ways to exercise out the biggest emotional blockages of fear and anger uh, to help people to move past their, their shocks and move past these impediments that would, you know, just break them down. And not only that, I remember Dr. Amen. Uh, did a lot of work with people to lose weight and the like. And he even uh, did some work with it. The the, uh, Cleveland Clinic in Ohio did some work on it. So I'm just saying that to say that 
this is uh, recent understandings of how we technically work. And in order to move past being stuck, apathetic, in a loop, bored, compressed boredom to the point of apathy and not getting yourself to be able to have any kind of feelings about things, numbness, you know, not caring when you used to care. Uh, one of the biggest things is pain avoidance. And pain avoidance comes by movement. Yeah, it would seem weird that if you're feeling pain, whether it's physical pain or mental pain, one of the best things you can do is get up and move. And Dr. Amen used to put it in this succinct way. He used to say, take a 20-minute walk and walk for that 20 minutes as if you're late for a meeting or you're late for an airplane. And then they came back And they said that these 20-minute brisk walks directly impacted the hippocampus and the amygdala, those areas that release uh, the hormones, serotonin, dopamine, and the like, that help us to be able to feel and be happy and have depths to our feeling. And so what that movement does is it gives kind of like a valve to release some of that pressure that has been built up in the sympathetic nervous system as well as the parasympathetic nervous system. Now, so that's the pain avoidance side. One, the uh, uh, the mental side that's going to lean heavily to the sympathetic part of it, there is critical thinking. I know you didn't think I was going there, but just bear with me because I got a lot to cover in our our last little minutes. So with critical thinking, this is how to think so that you can take action. So going back, the pain avoidance by simple movement, walking, walking briskly. I'm not not asking you to go and take aerobics classes and lift weights just by starting to even just walk. If you can walk just 20 minutes briskly, like you're late for a meeting or, or late to catch your flight, it's going to start to help with the pain as well as giving you the ability to start uh, working on your critical thinking and doing rewiring of certain synapses that have gone awry where, you know, you're stuck in that loop. And here is a big thing. I'm going to spend my last little time on this and I hope that I can make it as interesting as it really is, but I'm going to have to give you, you know, a little bit of uh, foundation. So bear with me. So with critical thinking, it doesn't have to be hard. What I want to focus on is this one thing that will help you to start getting yourself together. And that is the idea of a framework. Now, for different people, frameworks mean different things. If you are a software person, frameworks uh, sound different to you than if you are an educator or even if you are a builder or architect or contractor. But for the purpose of what we're talking about, I am talking about frameworks where we're able to get some boundaries and some containment of our problem. So frameworks help us to work through our problems. All right. So now that we've agreed with that, let's keep it moving. Moving. Okay. So with frameworks, this is how you're able to increase your understanding and your process to work through a problem. And why are we using a framework? Because we have to activate our critical thinking, not just daydreaming, not just wish fulfillment, not just the low level energies that we partake in on a daily basis. No, we have to start uh, triggering those firings in our minds that help us to start reconnecting what's going on with our logical part of our brain with the middle part where the emotions are and the back part where our desires and our primalness are. 
Okay, so if you can think of the brain in three parts, if you look at the back of the brain, the uh, that little thing that sticks out uh, at the back, the uh, man, uh, man, the oblongata, I always stumble over that. That you know leads into the the brain stem going down to the neck. That's going to be the primal part. That's where all of your basic visceral, you know, immediate reaction kind of stuff. That's where your survival. That's where your central nervous system is going to be that keeps you breathing and. Um, is that area that will shut you down if you're overheating kind of thing. Then the middle part that was um, the next evolvement of our brain is where our emotions are connected to that part. Uh, that's where we were able to start feeling and building relationships and things. That's why love doesn't make no sense <laughs> because it lives in that middle part. And then that front part where we have the logic and we have that frontal region where uh, all of the processes of how we think through things um, in a way to uh, help us to weigh various components of what we should or should not do. Um, all of those things that we can look at to help us to um, think through a problem or a process or to avoid danger. And to remember and have a category of things we have learned that make us not do things over and over again, live in that front, uh, that front cortical region of the brain where logic and reasoning and all of that happen. And at this particular time, believe it or not, pain avoidance, that movement of the body helps you to deal with part of the, the primal part and the middle part. Critical thinking is going to help you deal with that front part so that all of them start connecting again. And you need to make sure that you do these because the middle part of the brain is affected by both the pain avoidance of movement and the critical thinking of building frameworks to help you get a better understanding of your problem and your process and to help you work through it. All right. So with this framework, like I said, it's a tool um, to help you approach a problem. And what it does is, is it helps you magnify what's going to be the important aspects of your problem to focus on. And our problem today is how to get ourselves doing the stuff, all the stuffs that we know we want and need to do. So with this framework, um, I could go on and tell you that it magnifies all this stuff. But what a framework is going to help you do is build your steps or recipes or analysis to come up with an actionable solution. So let's talk about the different types of frameworks. And I'm skipping about a little bit because I'm really just trying to hit the points that are going to help you so that you can help yourself. So Think of frameworks as blueprints for getting something done. And there are different types. We and, and when I say the different types, you can possibly use one or all of them to help you get out of your rut, your funk, whatever you want to call it. So the first type that I want to talk about is about understanding. So when you seek to understand, you're going to get different measures or possibly indicators. And so when I talk about diagnosing yourself to see how you feel, that's going to be so that you can understand what your problem is. So when I took the time to talk about the parasympathetic and sympathetic shock, when we talked about pains and um, psychosomatic um things being represented in the body as real pains, those are going to be indices or indicators to let you know, uh, I have a problem. One of the things that people don't realize is that pain is a framework that helps you to realize that there is a problem. 
All right, so there's that one. The next one is comparisons. Comparisons are going to be across time or space. So it's usually going to have something like this versus this. So usually when you're trying to help yourself get something done, you're going to use your optimal output activity, meaning you are on a normal day when you're getting everything done versus where you are now. And by doing those comparisons, you're going to look and see how far away from your optimal ability are you so that you can get a better understanding of how much you have to cover to get back to norm or to get better than you were before. Then the next one is we tend to use common languages uh, to understand the same types of stuff. Think of it like as a, a dictionary or lexicon or something that helps you to understand. You know, like a lot of people say, uh, tell it to me like I'm a five-year-old. And so that's why when you go uh, to start looking for solving your problem, you're going to start looking at words that are bantied about based on what you found by understanding where you are and comparing where you are, excuse me, where you are. So you'll start looking at the common language that's used. And once you get to understanding your language and putting names on stuff, I'm going to already tell you, a world starts to open up because you get to the point where when you can name it, you can start to get can get management and control of it. So then there's time, time to diagnose the problem. And uh, once you're able to start, quote unquote, using diagnostic tools to diagnose your problem, you get a containment where it's not this nebulous um, cloud of drudgery. Uh, you it, it becomes more concrete, something that you're able to tangibly handle and work with. And then after that, you can then start to ex- assess the effectiveness of what actions you need to take. Like when I was talking to you before, um, I actually gave you two things that you can start doing, and that is moving your body and starting to find ways to critically think by building frameworks, recipes, blueprints, step actions of what you want to do. And then the last part I like about these different types of frameworks is getting a plan. A plan is a framework. It is a way for you to to reach your desired outcome. It's where you put down those actions, those steps, those directions of what you're going to do. And so most of the people that I have had the pleasure of dealing with are like, give me the practical. So I'm going to give you a quick little practical about how to start sussing out how to build your own uh, uh blueprint or framework. So the first thing is, is I want you to start uh, willing yourself to experience different things as much as you can, a bunch of different things. And once you start doing that, I want you to start looking for the ones that you seem to have some type of interest in because those are the ones, and when I say the ones that you have interest in, I'm talking about activities and things that get you up and get you going, even if they're not related to what it is you want to achieve. And once you identify those, start going deeper in those. That's going to mean that you're going to do some research to figure out how to do it better. For some people, it might be picking up a $2 jump rope from Walmart and learning how to jump rope. And then you start training yourself on how to uh, jump without stepping on the the jump rope. And then as you continue to do that, you'll start to develop a true fascination for it. And that's going to start your journey to trying to master the jump rope. Now, why am I talking about a jump rope when you're trying to figure out how to get up to do the stuff you need to, whether it's doing your job or cleaning your house or whatever it is, is because the same synapses that you start to use 
on jumping that rope and getting fascinated with it are the same synapses that you're going to use to be able to start doing the stuff that you need to do. Because the jump rope helps you to eradicate the pain. And pain avoidance is what helps you to start getting to the point where you can really critically think and do what it is you need to do. Now, I know I threw a lot at you guys today, but I wanted to use this time to try to be very practical and giving you some wisdoms to get started. And as you would know, my time is up. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Check the show notes. Thank you, everyone who supports us. And guess what? I'm going to see you tomorrow. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.